This is Annie Stevens-Gleason, Minister for Worship and Incorporation at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'd like to welcome you to our worship podcast. This is the Holy Eucharist, right to, for January 22nd, Good morning. Good morning. All of you. You watching at home, there's just so many people here you wouldn't believe. That's not true, but good morning. Um, it is a joy and a privilege to worship with you this morning on this absolutely, astonishingly beautiful day. Uh, I want to thank you especially for those of you who found a way to get here. My goodness gracious, I know that it was not easy, um, so thank you for being here. Um, for those of you who are watching at home, we're going to have a few more of you today than normal. This is why we have a live stream for days especially like today. Please stay safe. We thank you for doing that and um, taking care of yourself. So uh, we're grateful that you have this way that you can connect with us at church, even when it is when the roads are treacherous, uh, you can still be with us in some form. And I'm grateful for that. For those of you who are here, we do have a few announcements, especially join us today at 10 a.m. Uh, for the continuation of our adult education series, Mission Incarnate, Closing the Gap Between Us. Today, we will be asking the question, what makes a home? And we will have parishioners Amanda Rashi and Julianne Bauer talking about the partnership of their interior design firm with New Life Furniture and the work that they do there for accessible interior design through the outfitting of affordable housing. So that's a wonderful conversation that'll happen at the 10 a.m. You can also just join us. If you're not interested in learning new things, you can just join us at 10 a.m. in the Great Hall for some cookies and coffee, or you might wanna just go out and sled. I completely understand if that's the case. Uh, we do have a, a lot of upcoming programming, so please make sure to check the events page on our website or on the app. Of course, I'm using this app right now as we speak. And I did wanna let you know that we are very, very fortunate to have a guest preacher this morning. Um, our music minister and choral director, Brett Scott, will be our preacher this morning, so you are in for quite a treat. So these are all the announcements that I'm going to make today. Uh, I invite you, please, uh, to stand as you are able, and we'll begin our worship together.
Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And blessed be God's kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Please pray with me. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires are known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior Jesus Christ, and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. There will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them has the light shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. I just wanted to remind you that we will be singing the psalm together. So although we are few, I know that we are mighty, and we'll make a joyful noise unto the Lord this morning.
reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanos. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not without eloquent wisdom, so that the cross might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The word of the Lord. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region in shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. 
Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our Redeemer. Amen. So just to give you some, some background, a week ago Tuesday, I stepped out of rehearsal down at UC and discovered that I had missed a phone call from a certain Phil Duvall. <laughs> Usually Phil and I chat through Microsoft Teams or Facebook Messenger. So to get an actual phone call from Phil was an unusual event and probably meant that he wanted to talk to me about something a little more significant than the usual day-to-day -day functioning of Redeemer. And I was right, because his question was, hey, do you want to preach on Sunday the 22nd? Uh, we had kind of joked about me preaching sometime because I do have some background and experience in this. Uh, but I didn't expect that this would actually happen. <laughs> and it is rather intimidating to be uh, called up to the big leagues, as my wife Krista phrased it after the phone call. Um, given the excellence of the preaching that happens in this place every Sunday. But I know my appearance up here is probably a one-off, especially after Phil has to listen to this sermon four times today. Um, <laughs> but it is a pleasure to be able to minister you to you in this way this morning. So, I am up here because of a call, which is wonderful synergy to the gospel reading for today, where Jesus calls Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And my sermon today is going to focus on being called and what that might mean for us as followers of Jesus Christ. At downtown Bible study on Wednesday, Tom Kirkwood was agitating that I should preach on the repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near line. Uh, and that would be in line with my evangelical background. But don't worry, I am not going there. There will not be an altar call at the end of this sermon. But do pay attention because I am a teacher after all, so there might be a quiz later. <laughs> All right, here we go. In the spring of 1992, I was headed into music ministry full time. I was in the final semester of my four-year Bachelor of Sacred Music degree at Canadian Bible College in Saskatchewan. I had taken my worship classes, theology classes, a homily class, and of course, all of my music classes. I had participated in student ministry, including two years of hospital chaplaincy I had taken all of my exams and had just come through the final part of the process that would set me on the path to be ordained as a minister of music in the Christian and Missionary Alliance, firmly in the evangelical tradition of Christianity. This final step was an interview with several leaders of the denomination, and it had been a tough interview with probing questions about theology, ministry, worship, and, of course, evangelization. But I was still feeling confident that I would be certified to be a minister after I graduated. So imagine my shock when the committee determined that I, in fact, did not have a calling to the ministry. I wasn't the only one in my circle who was shocked by this decision. It actually caused a bit of a scandal at the Bible college that year. Um, but there was no recourse, no appeal. I would have to wait a year and perhaps choose to go through the whole 
process again. So I didn't enter the music ministry full-time in the fall of 1992. I ended up working for a year as the manager of a sheet music store, and that's the story for another time. <laughs> and then started in the fall of 1993, my Master of Music in Choral Conducting, which eventually led me to the University of Cincinnati and to here, to be in front of you today. So this whole concept and this idea of being called has significance for me in many ways. As many of you have had, I have had several callings in my life. I have been called to be a teacher, a husband, a father, and despite what those men in that room decided 30 years ago, to minister to God's people through music. But I still occasionally wonder, what did they see that I didn't? Did they really have a better insight into how God was working in my life than I did? Looking back, maybe they did. Maybe it was the right decision. But it still raises so many questions in my mind about what is a calling and who gets to decide. So I confess to being a little jealous of the disciples in the gospel reading today. If you recall, in last Sunday's gospel, the disciples approach Jesus and he immediately invites them into relationship with a knowledge of himself. This Sunday, it is all Jesus who comes crashing into the lives of these four men, and it is very clear what he wants. They get an obvious and direct calling from God. And don't we all wish we could get that type of clear, direct message? I mean, can you imagine Jesus showing up at your place of work? I have a really clear picture. I imagine myself sitting in my office at the University of Cincinnati on the bottom floor of the Dieterle Vocal Arts Center, preparing my lesson plans, looking over the music I would be rehearsing with my choir that afternoon, you know, maybe checking my email. And there was a knock at the door I think it's one of my students, so I yell, come in. And you know, maybe I need to yell it again because it's a thick door because of all the music happening in that building. But at some point, the door opens and it's Jesus. He comes in and sits down across the desk from me and he says, hey, I have got this great plan for your life. I know exactly what you should be doing from now on. I've got it all worked out, and guess what? You don't have to worry about the direction of your life anymore. So come on, let's go. So of course I get up and I grab my coat and off we go. It, it's, a great, it's a great mental picture and something we would all want to have happen, to have Jesus actually show up and clearly tell us what we should be doing, what our purpose and calling is, right? It's what we would want, right? Isn't it? <laughs> Is it, though? Because of course, when I really stop to think about it, maybe it's not what I want. I suspect we all want some level of plausible deniability in our relationship with Jesus. If we can claim that we can't really know what Jesus personally wants from us, that it is left up to us to determine all of that, that feels safer somehow. We can stay comfortable, stay where we are. I mean, I have worked hard for this life. The security, the reputation, the respect of my peers, my relationships, my family, my community. I like this life. And maybe I want to stay in this life. Thank you very much. What I find interesting is that in today's gospel reading, there is no mention of the, the, the disciples' state of mind when Jesus shows up. They are presented to us as unwavering, determined, with no doubts. 
later in the service, our choir is going to sing an arrangement of the traditional song, Done Made My Vow to the Lord, by the Reverend Lena McLinn. And the opening lines actually tie in really well, which are, Done made my vow to the Lord, and I never will turn back. I will go, I shall go, to see what the end will be. And that seems to be the response of these four fishermen. Come follow me, says Jesus. And they get up and go. They apparently leave their family, their place in society, all that they have worked for up to this point in their lives, and follow this person that they really don't know well at all. Even if internally they might have been freaking out a little bit, they don't show it. To the gospel writer, it is their response that is important. Because when it comes right down to it, the one thing about Jesus actually showing up is that we have no choice but to respond. And I think the two responses are either, yes, I'm in, or nah, I'm good. And they say, yes, I'm in. But if it's any comfort, as we go through the Gospels, it becomes clear that the disciples' dedication to Jesus was not, in fact, unwavering. They have doubts, and they disappoint him time and time again because they are selfish, or they just don't get it, or they don't get him. And of course, at the most crucial moment, they all abandon him. Because the disciples, like us, are very human. But at least at this moment, they are all in. The vast majority of us do not get to have this type of direct encounter with God, where we are told in no uncertain terms what we should be doing with our lives. And maybe we are a little grateful for that. But in the scriptures, and I think in this passage in particular, we get a pretty clear picture of what Jesus wants from his followers. He says to Peter and Andrew, come follow me and I will make you a fisher of people. And he is using their language, of course, drawing on what they lived every day. So I was pondering this past week what Jesus might say to me in that context, and I think it would be something like this. Come, follow me, and we will get everyone into the choir. <laughs> because that's my language of inclusion. Everybody sings, everyone has a place, has a voice. Everyone is important, and they are missed if they are not there, because that is one less voice in the choir, and the choir is less because of it. Because Jesus is saying to us, come follow me and we will build community, and not just for the chosen few, but for everyone. Because the people that Jesus called to be his disciples were not the chosen few, the spiritual leaders and teachers of the day. You wouldn't find fishermen overseeing the sacrifices at the temple in Jesus' time. Come with me, he says, and we will do this thing. We will create something new. And these new disciples, I'm sure, had no idea what they were getting themselves into when they got up, left the boats, and followed. They had no concept of the wonder, joy, pain, fear, and above all, love that they would experience. But they went anyways. So what about those of us who have not been called in this direct way, whose workplaces have had, in fact, zero Jesus sightings? If we are indeed members of the same community begun by Jesus and the people he called, what might be our calling? How are we called to help build the community in ways as individual as we are? and through that to draw 
others into God's kingdom. How is Jesus calling us to build this community of love? What language might he use with you, with the unique gifts that only you can bring to this community and to the body of Christ? What would he say? Come, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of people. Come, follow me, and we will get everyone into the choir. Come, follow me, and... We believe in one God, the Father of the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, but one being with the Father, through him all for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit, who became incarnate from the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. We will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiping glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. Grant that every member of the Church may truly and humbly serve you. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world. We pray for all the thanksgivings of this life. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. We pray especially for Bill Thamen, Lee Hardy, Bill Powell, 
Doreen Stanley, Noah Bass. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble. We pray for the departed, Frank Keenan, husband of Josephine, Phil Goldman, brother-in-law of Carol and Grant, and Mary Ann Fairley, mother of Lori. Give to the departed eternal rest. Let the light perpetual shine upon them. We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. May we also come to share in your heavenly kingdom. Let us pray for our own needs and those of others. Almighty God, you have poured upon us the new light of your incarnate word. Grant that this light, enkindled in our hearts, may shine forth in our lives through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry. We humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. I invite you please to stand as you are able. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God.
All things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Because in the mystery of the Word made flesh, you have caused a new light to shine in our hearts, to give the knowledge of your glory in the face of your Son. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Therefore, we praise you joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Gracious Father, in your infinite love you made us for yourself. And when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, you in your mercy sent Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Recalling his death, resurrection, and ascension, we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in him. Sanctify us also that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity, constancy, and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Alleluia, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast. Alleluia. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly, Heavenly Father, Father, you have, have graciously, graciously accepted, accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace, and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of Christ which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God, of God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and remain with you always. Amen.
go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.